this is a special Sunday for a, uh, for a few reasons. Um, for those of you I don't know, my name is Pastor Steve Winstead, and I want to welcome you to the International Evangelical Church. As I mentioned, today is special for a, a few reasons, some personal to me. Um, today, um, my oldest, he was at the first service. He celebrates his 15th birthday today. Uh, yeah, God give him a hand. We're, we're, I'm uh, grateful that uh, the Lord blessed me to get to be a parent uh, starting 15 years ago and has blessed me with four uh, amazing uh, boys who are growing into young men who I pray will grow into be uh, spiritual giants who love the Lord with a passion. Um, also, uh, some friends of mine are here from the church where I served in Memphis. They're visiting. I think they're sitting back here. Y'all can wave. I got four friends visiting from my church in um, Memphis. So I'm, I'm uh, honored to have them here. Also, a pastoral mentor of mine, a man I've known for, doing the math, maybe 17 years, uh, Dr. Ernie Fry. Ernie, just stand up and wave at everybody. This is a... Um, Ernie and I served in the Memphis area for several years together, and Ernie paved a way for me. He uh, came to serve in Ethiopia uh, for about two years, and Ernie continues to serve all over the continent of Africa uh, with a ministry called, uh, it's a part of SIM, but it's called Africa Strategic Discipleship Movement. And uh, Ernie, you mean a lot to me. Appreciate the work you do. Uh, I've had the privilege of serving with Ernie on the field and being a part of his teaching team. So good to have you with us this morning, brother, as you're a part. He's going all over Africa for the next few weeks, so we're glad to have him here. Also, this morning we kicked off our Sunday morning programs. You may have noticed our service was slightly different order, and that was in order to encourage children to be here worshiping with us and then to release the younger children to go be in their Sunday school classes. That's all intentional. We believe that's a part of the discipleship of our church is to raise that next generation. We want to be faithful with that. Another thing, um, I had a great weekend, you all. I had a really special weekend. We had our elders retreat this weekend. And we are blessed as a church to have some godly men that serve as elders and lead our body. And I can't tell you how thankful I am to serve alongside of them, both alongside and under. I'm under the authority of the elders, and that brings me great joy. We have 11 elders. Ten of them are pictured here. One of them you received um, on your program when you came in. He's in the process. That's Alam Seged. He's a, a true gift to our body, has been for, for really many generations here. He's, he's a great gift to our church. Uh, Pastor Mike and I sat on his ex officio, and we were blessed to have one of our, uh, a former member of our elder board, who we still consider an elder quality man and who serves in our church in so many ways, Stedman Harrison, uh, facilitated and led our elder retreat. But I can't tell you what a special time it was for, I hope for all the men, but for me in particular, just to be encouraged by um, the men who lead this church. So if you see these men, just tell them thank you. None of them are employed by the church. They give their time. They have other jobs. They all have family. They have children. They have wives. And they give sacrificially to this place. And I'm so grateful for them. So when you see them, just tell them thank you. 
Um, I know you don't get to see all that they do, but they do a lot. Um, One of the things that we talked about on our elder retreat, our mission statement as a church, we keep it simple. And we say it at the start of every service because we don't want you to forget. We don't want to roam from our mission as a church. We don't want to look up and go, we didn't hit the mark that God called us to. Our mission is simple, but it's powerful. It's biblical. It comes out of Psalm 96.3. comes out of the passage we'll be in today, the Great Commission, Matthew chapter 28, verses 16 through 20. And it's simply this. Our mission is to make disciples of the nations for the glory of God. And that's a beautiful mission. Even as we were worshiping this morning, I looked up on our stage and I thought, we've got four different nations represented right here leading us in worship. What a beautiful representation of our body. And what a sweet way to worship. Well, one of the things we talked about as elders, Pastor Mike led us in a a session where he, he gave us an assessment. And he said, hey, elders, let's assess how do we feel we're doing on being faithful to making disciples? And the assessment the elders revealed was we're talking about it. We see some light, some hope, some movement, but we're not where we hope to be. We hope to grow. We hope to have a culture within our church that is about the business of Jesus Christ making disciples that make disciples that make disciples. That's our heartbeat as a church. So today, we're going to look at a passage. Many of you have heard it. It's uh, what I'm going to share with you this morning. We'll only really get the introduction because we're going to do baptisms in a minute. We'll finish it up in two weeks. Next week, Pastor Mike will take us through one of the greatest verses on understanding discipleship in 2 Timothy. I'm excited for that. And then in two weeks, we'll finish up the Great Commission. So today, we're just going to get the introduction. But I want you to know this. Everything I share with you today, someone has given to me. Someone has taught me. What what I'm saying is nothing I, I teach you today, I learned or studied on my own. It was sitting around the table. 18 years ago, 5 a.m., with a man that you've heard me talk about named Roy Soup Campbell, who first taught me what I'm about to share with you this Sunday and in two Sundays from now. And I'm so grateful for that. I'll tell you, if I hadn't heard this passage taught, I don't think I would be here as your pastor today. This verse, God has used it to revolutionize my life like few other verses in life. And here's what I want for us, church. I want us to taste the great joy of being faithful to make disciples. There's there's no better way to live your life. I'm not giving you something, say, go do this, it's a burden. No, I'm saying, go do this, it'll free you. You'll taste what it really means to walk in the Spirit and live how God has called you to live as you do this. So let's read our passage today. Matthew chapter 28, verses 16 through 20. If you would please stand for the reading of God's good and gracious word to us. Hear the word of our Lord. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him. But some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority 
in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. This is the word of God for the people of God and all God's people said, praise be to God. You may be seated. Lord, your word says that the grass withers and the flowers fade, but your word, your word stands forever. And this is the word that was preached to you. Lord, unless you speak, nothing of significance will be spoken here today. So speak, Lord Jesus, we pray. Amen. Where we've been the last few weeks, we've been in this series on discipleship, and we've been looking at how, as a church, do we seek to express this? We're not going to do it perfectly, but we want to foster a culture where discipleship is the norm. It's what we do. It's who we are as a church. A few weeks ago, we started in Deuteronomy, and we saw that discipleship begins in the home. Moms and dads, you have the great joy, the unique responsibility of raising up children in the Lord's. Grandparents, aunts, uncles, we all get to play a role in that. But it's a beautiful calling. The week after we started looking at Jesus' calls to his disciples, and I've told you several times, they are simple. They're not complex. Jesus' first call to his disciples was this, simply come and see. And when they came to see the Messiah, the Redeemer, the one who would change their lives, the one who would save them in Jesus Christ, and they were converted. They were a new creation. The first step in discipleship, never miss this, is evangelism. It's coming to Christ. It's knowing that though yet while you were a sinner, there's victory over sin. There's victory over death that is found in Jesus, and that's glorious. That's our starting point. So when we use the word discipleship here at IEC, realize this. Evangelism's built into it. It's not something added on to it. It's a part of it. It's the starting place. But discipleship continues on throughout life. As we saw last week, Jesus' second call to his disciples was simple. He said, follow me. It was follow me for a lifetime. For three and a half years, they followed him on earth. For the rest of their lives, they were followers of Jesus. And that's what we're called to be. We continually follow him until he brings us home. We're growing. We're maturing. That's why we need people in our life who speak truth. People in our life who play a discipleship role. Once you become a Christian, that's when discipleship really begins. So evangelism is a part of it, but it continues onward. And this week, we see Jesus in verse 16. It says, now the 11 disciples went to Galilee. We see that there's only 11 disciples. Question for us, why is that? I assume most of you, if you've been in church, you may know that answer. Judas obviously had betrayed Jesus and turned away. And in that, we see something about discipleship. Even our Lord and Savior had one of his disciples turn away. And in my life, I've invested in men who've walked away from the faith. And there's a few things that are 
more sad, more tragic than to see someone that you love and care about walk away from the Lord. Yet the greatest joy, one of the greatest joys in my life is to see God take a broken man who's flawed, who doesn't do a lot of things right, and take my life and use it and invest it in another person in such a way that they are more faithfully walking with the Lord, that they become more like Christ, that they're experiencing a fullness of life that God promises us as they become more like Jesus through the process of discipleship. It's a great, great joy. And Jesus had one of the disciples that turned away. But listen to this. It says, they went to Galilee to the mountain which Jesus had directed them. That's a past tense. Jesus had already told his disciples to go to Galilee. Jesus has 11 post-resurrection appearances in Scripture. And this is the only one, the only one, that he set up before he died. Oh, look at, look at this verse on the screen. It's uh, Matthew chapter 26, verse 32. Jesus is just talking. He's about to go to the cross. And he's saying, Peter, you're going to deny me. Right after that, he has a but. He says, but. But after I am raised up, I will go before you to Galilee. And that's all Jesus needed to say. He didn't need to say, hey, when I go to Galilee, meet me on this mountain, meet me over at this place. They knew exactly where they were to meet Jesus. They had been with him. They had spent time with him. So when he said, hey, meet me, it's like he's saying, you know the spot. You know the place. I believe it was probably the place where he gave the Sermon on the Mount. He's going, meet me there. And these guys were faithful to show up to hear what Jesus had to say to the place where he directed them. In verse 17, it says, When they saw him, they worshipped him. Let me tell you, that's a beautiful verse because that is the appropriate response to the risen Lord Jesus Christ. Do you realize one day, all of us who are redeemed by the blood of Jesus, we are going to see the risen Lord, and when we do, we will fall down in worship. And one day, it's going to be people from every tribe, tongue, and nation, falling, worshiping Him. I long for that day. I want to live for that day as much right now as I can. I want to invest as much as I can in that day to come right now. But look at this. It says, some of them doubted. Now, Scripture doesn't tell us what they doubt. Maybe they doubted. Can we do what you're going to call us to do? Are we supposed to worship you? I don't know what they doubted. Scripture doesn't tell us for a reason. We don't know what they doubted, and it doesn't want us to know. But here's the point. They did doubt. As a Christian, many of us will encounter a season, a period, a moment of doubt. That happens. Don't be afraid by it. For the child of God, doubt will not overcome Jesus is victorious. He will walk us through that and he'll give us more confidence that he is the way, the truth, and life. That in him we have life abundantly, that we have life in the full. He'll walk us through those seasons of doubt. He's good to do so. And these guys had some doubt. And in verse 18 it says, Jesus came to them. I love this. Jesus takes the initiative. He comes to them. They lean in and he says these words. All authority in heaven and on earth. I remember one time, the man who discipled 
man who discipled me, Soup was discipled by a man named Herb Hodges. So I would go and hear Herb teach. Herb was this 80-year-old man who knew the Word of God like a few others I've ever experienced. And I remember him saying this verse. He said, in the Greek, it's as if it is shouting off the page. And I remember him shouting at the top of his lungs, all authority. There is no authority that Jesus does not have. He has authority over all of creation. So brother and sister, don't forget, as we look out and we see this global pandemic and COVID, as we look out and we see economic inflation, as we look out and we see violence, unrest, fighting that's disturbing and we want to see peace, know that Jesus has authority. He's the Prince of Peace. He's going to return. One day he's going to bring peace, but until he does, we live in a broken, fallen world. And as you feel, see, taste the experiences of this broken, fallen world, it should make us go, come soon. Come soon, Lord Jesus. We long for the Prince of Peace. We crave the Prince of Peace to come. And he wants his disciples, when he starts off, what it's going to be the Great Commission, he wants them to be clear on this. He has complete authority. There's nothing that is outside of his authority. Though at times we may not understand what he's up to, we can trust the promise that somehow he's going to weave all these tragedies, all the pains, all the sorrows. He's going to take them and somehow work them together for his good. For his good, for his glory, and ultimately it will be for the good of those who are his. When we get to heaven, we'll understand that. On this side of eternity, we're not. But here's what he's telling them. Don't miss this. As you go to make disciples, you don't do it alone. It's not up to you. You be faithful. You be the messenger. You invest. You pour into people. But the authority that's going to grow somebody, the authority that's going to mature somebody, what's going to transform someone is Jesus Christ. He's the one who gives you that authority, okay? So as you are making disciples, it's not on your own authority. It's on the authority of Jesus Christ. And that is a beautiful, glorious confidence that we all need, that I need. Because I don't know about you, but there's times I struggle and I'll go, God, are you really going to use me? Can you really take what little I have and use it for eternity for your glory? The limited gifts, the insecurities I have, the struggles, the, the things that I look and go, God, I need your help. As I'm making disciples, as I seek to be faithful to do that, it's Christ who works in us. It's His authority. And church, I want... I pray that as we walk through the Great Commission this Sunday and two Sundays, I pray that God will open your heart and mind that His strategy to make disciples will become a conviction of yours. Not because I say so, because God's Word says so, because there could be things, if you have children, you want for your children, but you can't make them take it. As a pastor, there's things I desire for this church. I desire for us to be a church that glorifies Christ greatly, a church that's faithful to make disciples. But I can't make that happen. Wish I could. But God hadn't given me that much. But I pray that we would each see it, 
and taste the joy of making disciples and that we would crave it and that we would desire it and we'd be faithful to run with it. Again, once in a couple weeks we're going to go over what we call the six editorial friends, six questions about the Great Commission, who, what, when, where, how, and why. We'll do that in two weeks. And I pray that when we do, God will speak, that you'll hear from Him, not from me, that He'll move, and that the conviction, the commission that He left the church with, and the church isn't the building, it's the people, that it'll be heavy upon your heart, joyous upon your heart, and you'll begin to live it out. Church, we've been um, encouraging you toward a few things the last few weeks. We've been encouraging you to be in worship. That's a part of being a member, being a part of this body. We've been encouraging you to be in a group somewhere. I just want to remind you, we want to get people in places where they're connecting. As you connect, you begin to meet people that can help you grow. You can help them grow, and discipleship can begin to happen in that Christian maturing way. We also want you to go to your spheres of influence where you work, where you serve, and be a gospel witness in that discipleship starting way. But we have three ways I want to show you that we can help you get into a group. Maybe this is important. We're not trying to control where your group is. You may already be in one. You could start one. If you need help with materials, ask Pastor Mike and myself. We'd love to help you. Okay? If you want to start one, you may already have one. Amen. Praise the Lord. Secondly, if you want to be in a group, but you don't know how to start one, but you're willing, you're available, please contact Pastor Mike. Now, realize it's going to take a while for Pastor Mike to figure out where everybody lives, what days work. He'll take a while to put it together, but we're going to be faithful to help you get in a group. And thirdly, on Sunday mornings, we have what we call Next Steps Training. Our Next Steps Training is a 12-week training designed to launch you into a discipleship community, a discipleship group. So we feel like we've tried to help make this accessible for our body. We want to be able to say to you, hey, we want you to be a part of this. We want you to be living this out. We're here to help, to encourage. But ultimately, you've got to take the initiative. You've got to be a part of doing it. So church, I pray that we'll be faithful to do that. I love in the Great Commission, one of the things it says is baptizing that we are about the work of baptizing. That's when a cursing comes to Christ. In church today, we're about to do some baptisms. I'm really excited. We haven't done baptisms in a while. It's a beautiful thing. It's a picture of dying to your old way of life and living in Christ. I've heard it said one time that one of the most merciful things a person can do is when they baptize somebody, just hold them under the water. Let them go on to glory. It'll be better there. But no, we're raised to new life with a mission. And that mission is the Great Commission. We're raised to new life, to be faithful, to live out the purpose that Christ has called us to, to make disciples right where we are. Pastor Mike's going to pray over those being baptized. So Pastor Mike, you can come on up.